Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Three Unshakable Things. Let me tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, where it says this, All of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Man, you're a lively bunch this morning. I'm going to have fun with you guys. So here we go. 2020 was like a snow globe that just got tumped over and shaken. And, and what I, I believe is that all that could be shaken did get shaken. And we are seeing together what remains unshaken. Three things remain unshaken. Number one is his love for you. Unshaken. Unshaken. There are moments in our life where we wonder, God, are we still cool? Are we still okay? Because we know the thoughts we think. We're aware of our private life. Just so those of you, uh, let me save you some time if you're single. When you start dating someone, you are not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. You are dating their representative for the first year. That's not really them. After that first year, their representative introduces you to the real them. Are you with me? Say yes. How many know that's true? Say yes. yes. If you got married within that first 12 months, we will pray for you <laughs> after the service. We meet their representative. And then we see who they really are. We see their private life. Well, see, God sees my private life. He sees your private life. And in those moments of honesty, we can't help but to think, do you still love me the way you used to? I want you to know that his love for you remains unshakable. Every time I talk about the love of God, I always feel that my vocabulary has failed me. Because his love is so great that my words, if I had every word in the English language at my command, I would still fail. But I'm going to take a swing at it anyway. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 17, it says that he was before all things, we're talking about Jesus, he was before all things, and all things remain together within him. That he holds these things together. So Jesus created everything. We know that because in John chapter 1 it says that. Jesus made everything. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word 
was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And everything that was made was made through Him. So that anything that was made was made was made by Him. So the power of God flowed through Jesus and Jesus created it all. Isn't that cool? But all that was created remains within Jesus. Now just to make your brain go, there is no separation between God and Jesus. What's that, that when you breathe, it comes out, so there's oxygen out here, and then when you breathe out, what happens? What is that? Carbon dioxide, right? So there's carbon dioxide right in front of my face, and there's also oxygen right in front of my face. They're sharing the same space. Are you with me? Say yes. So God and Jesus share the same space. They're both God. And they share the same space. And everything that was created is within Him. <sighs> I know. Let me see if I can illustrate this in a physical sense. Within me, there are hundreds of bones. Within me, there's organs that I don't even know are in there. It's all within me. All of me is within me. Everything that was created, the world, you, me, the galaxies, the stars, the moon, it's all within him. What does that mean? There is no end to his presence. It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And I know what you're thinking. I can't wrap my head around that. If you could, he wouldn't be worth worshiping. Now, as far as his presence goes, that's how far his love goes. Because you cannot separate him from love. He is love. And so that's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, Oh, I wish you knew how far and how wide, how deep and how high his love is for you. He loves you so much that you cannot measure it. It's a, I think it's 133,000 miles from the foundation of the earth to the moon. Don't quote me on that. It's a ballpark. <laughs> you can measure the distance, but you can't measure the distance of his love towards you. It remains unshakable. Let me give you a, an illustration. Uh, last week, uh, a few of us went to Costa Rica, thanks to uh, Luke and Serena. And uh, they spent half of the year in Costa Rica, and they invited my wife and I to come with them. And so we went, and um, they have this routine that they do whenever they go to Costa Rica. They rent this van or this bus, and they fill it up with a bunch of groceries. And they go out, and they pass out food. And so I was like, heck, yeah, I want to come. I said, heck, H-E-C-K, all right? Yes, I want to come. So I, I I went, and we're passing out food, and... Um, and then Serena pulls out her cell phone and presses record, and she goes, all right, Shep, do what you do. And she calls me Shep. He calls me Shep. 
it means shepherd, but don't call me that. <laughs> Do it. And she pulls out the phone. And so uh, I said, all right, hey, everyone, we're out of food. We have no more food. But I believe that Jesus is here and he wants to heal many of you. Is there anyone here that needs a physical healing in your body? Not one person raised their hand. Now, just statistics say at least one. At least one. There was probably, I don't know, maybe 40 people there. At least one. Nobody raised their hand. And so I looked to my left, and there's a guy who obviously he's blind. It was obvious. He was in the 60s, 70s. Obviously he's blind. And so he's the only one I knew for sure needed a miracle. And so I said, you're first. Get over here. We pray for him. And listen to this. He had a mask on. About one out of 20 had a mask. He had a mask on. And he took the mask and he pulled it up over his eyes. And he started crying. And I got excited when he started crying. Because that told me that the presence of God had just come upon him. And so I said to him, pull the mask down when you're ready because I think you're going to be able to see. He pulls the mask down and for the first time, and I don't know how long, I didn't ask him, he saw his friends that he grew up with. He went from completely blind to seeing. And then all of a sudden, hands started going up. I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. The entire week, probably 30 people got healed. The deaf got healed. It was phenomenal. What's so cool is that I'm the pastor, and I only prayed for four of them. Because if you got healed, then you believe in healing. So he said, you're next. You pray for the next person. And then you pray for the next person, and it was this chain. Uh, Serena prayed for several who were healed, but most of them were locals praying for each other and just repeating back the prayer that we told them to pray. It was phenomenal. But do you know what we never did? Is say, hey, before I pray for you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? We didn't say, have you been to church in the last few weeks, few months, few years. We didn't say, have you been living a holy life? Is there anything you need to ask forgiveness of? We didn't ask any of that. And the reason why is I didn't know about their relationship with Jesus, about their love towards the Lord, but I knew of the Lord's love towards them. Are you with me? I knew of the Lord's love towards them. And so we pray for them, they see, uh, experience a miracle. And I'll never forget, there's this one lady in particular. Uh, afterwards, she was crying, she got healed, and I said, Now, would you like to have a relationship with him? Yes! Of course they do! Because they just experienced a physical miracle in their body. Of course they want to have a relationship with him. But the Lord would not penalize them because they were not fully aware of them. But once they met him, oh man, now they're off and running. Their God's love remains unshakable. 
I heard a story of this little boy who broke his index finger and he was in the waiting room at the hospital with his father. And this stranger looked at him and said, hey, how about I cut that broken finger off and give you a beautiful gold finger? And the boy looked back at him and said, no, are you crazy? Because this is my finger. And he looked up to his dad, this is my finger. And he took his broken finger and he held it back. See, the finger was broken, but it was his finger. Can I just tell you, when you have those imperfect moments, guess what? You might be imperfect, but you're his You're his. Can you give him an applause for that? You're his. And, And that love remains unshaken. So you may think to yourself, what about when I do make mistakes? That's the second one. His forgiveness always remains unshakable. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth your sins... He will be faithful and just and forgive you of all unrighteousness. In Psalms 103 verse 10, it says this, He does not punish us for our sins the way we should be. He doesn't do that. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, it says this, that His love never ceases, and His mercy has no end. In fact, it's new and fresh every single morning. Great is His faithfulness. Can I illustrate that? Let me illustrate that. Let's say you wake up tomorrow morning and you decide you want to have um, a, a bowl of cereal. And it's a brand new gallon of milk, so you open it up, you pour your cereal, and uh, you enjoy your cereal. But while you're enjoying it, you're like, I would really like to have a glass of, of orange juice. And so you drink a glass of orange juice, and that too was a brand new bottle of orange juice. So you crack it open, you pour it out. But then what's interesting is the next morning you thought, man, that was a good breakfast yesterday. I think I'll have the same thing again. So you go to the refrigerator, you open it up, and you see the milk and it's fresh and new as if you never opened it the day before. And you're like, did I forget? Did I not have cereal today? I really thought. And then all of a sudden, I want some more orange juice. And it's fresh and new as if you never opened it before. And then the same thing happens the next day. And every single time you open up the refrigerator, it's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. I put empty milk in and then I open up the refrigerator and it's fresh and new. That is exactly what your life is like when you wake up in the morning. It's exactly the same way. His love never ceases. His mercy has no end. You cannot exhaust it. And every morning it's new and fresh. Every single morning it's new and fresh. But then we have this one other situation. What happens when the snow globe gets tumped upside down? And life is going berserk. And we've all experienced that within the last 12 months. Life is going crazy. Now, we're thankful for His love. We're thankful 
for his forgiveness, but will he be faithful to take care of us, to provide for us, to move the pieces of our life around? Will he be faithful to do that? When we are feeling so weak, will he be faithful? Every single one of us in this room has at least one thing in common. We are all fighting a battle that nobody else in this room knows anything about. And so you are depending, like I am, on his faithfulness. You are depending on it. I have something encouraging for you to hear. You and I will never discover his faithfulness until we are weak. We may hear about it. We may read about it. But we will never discover how faithful he truly is. How loving he truly is. How, how he's always there for us until we realize that no one else is there for us. He provides. It's very interesting because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul said this, I rejoice in my weakness. It almost sounds like maybe he has been drinking too much. I rejoice when I'm weak. Then he goes on and he says, I rejoice when people insult me. Hey, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a jerk. By the way, just as a sidebar, you cannot give an offense. You can take offense. But when you know the truth, you are unoffendable. Are you with me? So circling back, Paul says this. He goes, I rejoice when I'm weak. I rejoice when I am insulted. I rejoice when I am experiencing hardship. I rejoice when I'm experiencing persecution. I rejoice when I am experiencing trouble. Now you back up and you say, Paul, have you lost your mind? Why are you rejoicing when all of these bad things are happening? And he says this. He goes, when I am at my weakest, I see his strength. I see him doing things that I don't see when I feel strong. When I'm weak, I see him be strong. And he's saying, what I witness, the miracles that I'm seeing, it's worth it. It's hard and it hurts. 
but it's worth it. Insults and trouble hurt. But seeing how God takes care of me, it makes the insults and trouble worth it. This is, see, nobody taught Paul about Jesus. He didn't read a book and learn about Jesus. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 12, he said, no human source taught me what I know. He goes, I learned it from direct revelation from Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus showed up and spoke to him personally. In fact, he went to the desert of Arabia for three years and Jesus caught him up. Of all the things that he missed out on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he tells the story about the Last Supper. And he said, you know, that he was having the Last Supper and he was betrayed by Judas. How does he know he wasn't there? Jesus caught him up. If you've made mistakes in your life and you think, I have missed out on so much, I've wasted a lot of time, let me just let you know, Jesus will show up and catch you up. Come on. He'll catch you up. And so he said in in Galatians chapter 1 verse 12, he says, what I learned, I didn't learn from a human source. And most theologians believe that he wrote the book of Hebrews. And he said this, he goes, God, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says this, he goes, God, I met him. He met Jesus. I met him. And what I can tell you is he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So is he faithful? Oh, yes. He's been faithful before you were ever even born. He's been faithful before he threw this first star in the air. He's been faithful. He will continue to be faithful. But if you ever want to accelerate the program a little bit, pursue him because he rewards those who diligently seek him. If you want to back up and fold your hands and tap your foot and like, God, do something, do something, do something. Do something. He might. He's made no promises to people who stand around and wait. But those who actively wait, oh, there's promises attached to that. When he told the disciples in, what was it? I think it's Luke. Is it Luke 24, 49? Does that sound right? Where he says this, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endowed with power. Did somebody look that up? Is it in Luke? Don't worry about it. Don't look it up. Take my word for it. It's in Luke. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endowed with power. So when the disciples went and they all waited in the upper room, do you think they just sat there Indian style going, anytime now? Come on, be faithful anytime now. That's not how it happened. They actively waited. 
They prayed and day one went by and they prayed day two went by and they prayed and day three went by. They knew, they knew the scriptures. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's a difference between waiting and actively waiting. Is anybody with me? Say yes. So yes, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But his love towards you will never be shaken. His forgiveness and grace will never be shaken. His faithfulness will never be shaken. Do you receive that today? Put your hands together. Do you receive that? Um, I am so excited in a very sick way about where our world is. In, in a very, maybe sick is the wrong word. I'm not enjoying it at all. Uh, half of our church doesn't come to the sanctuary anymore. I don't like that. Spent my whole life trying to build it. Not my whole life, but last 15 years trying to build a church. And then all of a sudden, just like that, half of them don't come anymore. I don't like what's going on. But in the back of my mind, let me just bring it to your house. You don't like losing a job. You don't like getting a pay cut. You don't like what's happening to the family. You don't like the stress. But in the back of your mind, and in the back of my mind, we know what's happening. Do we not? This is, this is bigger than a strand of flu that we have never seen before. The, the contention I, I really don't have the time for this but I'm going to say it anyway because I think it's apropos to the world that we live in. In Matthew 24 verse 10 it says this in the last days, many will be offended. Many. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. Many. So offense right now is if you breathe air, you've experienced what I'm talking about. But as I said earlier, if you know the truth, you're unoffendable. When I was 17, 18, 19, something like that, I was driving to Beaumont. It's about an hour and a half away. And it was probably midnight. And um, I w there was nobody on the highway, and I was changing lanes without a blinker. Because there's nobody on the highway. Who am I going to tell I'm turning? Uh, hey, I'm going to the right lane. There's nobody on the highway. It's midnight. All of a sudden, a cop whoop, whoop, comes out. I'm in the car with a buddy of mine. Cop pulls us over. He puts him at the front of the car, puts me in the back of the car, and he goes, Young man, I'll never forget this. Young man, do you have any bombs, grenades, or rocket launchers in your car? I couldn't help it. I started laughing. Just like you. I was like, 
And he was being so serious, which made it funnier for me. I was like, of all the crazy cops, I get the crazy one. Do I have any grenades in my car? Are you being serious? Like, I was like, do you ever feel like you're on, you know, a hidden camera show when you're like, this isn't real? It's just ridiculous. So I started laughing. He stayed serious, which made me laugh more. And then he changed the subject to something else and then went and talked to my friend. It's crazy. Later, I found out that that is a common question that policemen ask. And they're not so much paying attention to your verbal answer as much as your nonverbal answer. So when he asked me, do I have any grenades, rocket launchers, or bombs in my car? I went, what? No. If I would have said, no. (laughs) See, you're ahead of me now. In his mind, he'll say, you may not have grenades or rocket launchers, but you got something in there. There was a strand of truth in there somewhere. Why don't you just stay right here and I can go look around. See, when there's no strand of truth, it's comical. When there is a strand of truth, you're tempted to take offense. But when you know the truth, you're unoffendable. You laugh. It's funny. You're an idiot. You're crazy. You're nuts. Do you understand what I'm saying? People who do not know the truth take offense. I'm looking at the cop, and what am I thinking? You're a nutcase. This is hilarious. I'm thinking in my head, you're a nut. This is funny. I'm going to tell stories about this for the rest of my life. Because it's so far from the truth, I think it's a joke. You understand what I'm saying? When you know the truth about yourself, idiots can talk to you and it has no consequence. You're an idiot. Now, I'm half Italian, half Brazilian. You may not say it exactly like that, but it'll be close because you're human. Just go, you're nuts. See you later, Felicia. Are you with me? Everybody stand your feet for me, please. I got to close before I get in trouble. Those of you that are in the adult discipleship, everybody walk out. Go get your box lunch. Come back in and we'll start ASAP. I'd like our prayer partners to come down. If there's any need that you have, if you need a a financial breakthrough, if you need a healing in your body, whatever it is that you need, I want you to come down here and pray with someone. In Psalms 56, 9, it says, the very day you call for help, the tide of the battle changes. So whatever you need, Jesus can fix it. Let's close this gap if you don't mind.
No official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. Come out of your seats whenever you get ready. But before anyone leaves, can we sing this song one time through? May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his face be turned towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.